Leadership Show, the place where leaders learn more about themselves and how they can shift the way they lead. Because when leaders get better, families get better, communities get better, and the world gets better. And now your host, Chief Leadership Officer of Shepherd Revolution, David Prosper. This is your first time listening to the Leadership Show. We want to personally welcome you. We started this podcast because too many of us have been hurt, underappreciated, and abused by unhealthy leaders. And we believe that when leaders get better, families get better, communities get better, our workplace gets better, and ultimately our world gets better. We typically love to start this show with the verse of the day. In today's reading, we can find our verse in John 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what does this mean? What does this mean? What is love? Well, we can find that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrong. So again, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There are two kinds of leaders in our world. Leaders who command and leaders who connect. I believe that transformation only happens when we apply, learn information. Our shows are intentionally under 30 minutes for working professionals, busy parents, and on-the-go students. I have a question for you today, and I want you to really ponder on this. Have you ever been affected by domestic violence? Or do you know someone who has been in an unhealthy relationship? How about have you seen and have you grow have you did you grow up witnessing or experiencing abuse? If you answered yes to either one of those questions, today's episode is just for you. On today's show, we're going to do something revolutionary and we're going to actually be looking at domestic violence through the leadership lens and specifically discussing three things. Number one, the leadership styles we grew up under. Number two, how we lead our families. And number three, 
ways we can approach and eliminate domestic violence through teaching love-based leadership. Today, y'all, I am super excited. We have a super special episode because we have an incredible guest with us to participate in this revolutionary and provocative topic. Today's guest is Audrey May Prosper, y'all. She is a loving leader herself, founder of Your Thrive Tribe, an organization that helps women connect, heal, and grow in life and in Christ. She's also my amazing wife. Give it up for her. The mother of our sons and a survivor of domestic violence. Audrey's been addressing this issue of DV for the last decade in communities across the country and dares to say that she has reached a new season where she hopes to move the conversation forward in a way that produces the results our families and communities desperately needs. Audrey, babe, my queen, my boo thing, thank you for being here on today's conversation. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. That was a really awesome um, introduction. I appreciate that very much, babe. I'm really grateful to be here. It's so awesome just to be participating in this thing that you're doing called a podcast that is super meaningful for people out there Mm -hmm. and even more special to be here participating in a conversation that is near and dear to my heart and especially during October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So thanks, babe. Awesome. We're so excited for you to be here, especially my listeners. Now, I I just want to just dive right in because... I don't want the fluff. I want I want the meat and the potatoes, babe. So what type of leadership styles did you grow up in? So, I mean, I really grew up in a single parent home. It was just my brother and I and my mom. And my father kind of popped in and out of my life whenever he felt it was convenient for him. And so my father, I would say, was 100% a dictator a fear-based leader. Mm. And uh, to the point where he definitely uh, was abusive towards my mom, which is part of the reason why they parted ways. And so uh, my mom, on the other hand, I would say that my mom was also a fear-based leader, but in a different kind of way. I think she was always afraid of us, you know, not doing the right thing or not turning out well. Uh, but it kind of came across more as anxiety than fear, like, I guess you would say like abusive type of fear based leadership. So there was a lot of yelling and a lot of times mom was presently present whenever we were messing up. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when things were good, they were just good. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the background that I come from. And then a third leader in my life and the leadership that I grew up under is my older brother. He's three years older than me. And so he very much so was and is my older brother, but also acted as a father to me. And that definitely also was fear-based leadership, which in essence is what was modeled for him through his father and my father. So it's really all he knew, but that came along with, at least for me and my experience, violence as well. So uh, when things weren't going his way, when I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do, oftentimes he turned to physical violence. Mm, you, you said something that is powerful. 
different vehicles, all three fear-based leadership, but different styles in how they approach you. So with all three of these leaderships that uh, experiences and styles that you were under, how did that impact you in your relationships and 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 just as a whole, how did it impact you as an individual? Uh, I would say that I subconsciously grew up feeling like I had to kind of listen to my brother because I was afraid of him. I don't know that I knew at that time that I was afraid of him, but I definitely was. And that's kind of what kept me in line. So how did it impact my life? Well, when you grow up in a home where you experience violence, you can only become one of three things. Mm -hmm. You can become what is known as the victim, uh, the abusive person, or neither. So the way that it impacted me and my brother is ironically two different ways. Um, he, he grew up to become or progressively become more and more violent and now is, uh, in prison on death row. Mm. And so on my end, I began to experience, uh, an unhealthy relationship at the first time, I should say the first time was when I was 18 years old. So basically the way that it impacted us is that we carried on that cycle. The only thing is that he became the person who was abusive and I became the person who was being abused. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I know that there's there's a lot of people who know your story, but my specific listeners, can you just update it? You said you experienced abuse and you know your brother... Um, became the person who inflicted those abuse. But could you talk a little bit more? What was your direct experience with dealing with domestic violence in, in your life? So that's a great question. Cause I think sometimes I just assume too, right. That everybody just knows, but, uh, at 18 years old, I was in a relationship that didn't start off violent at all. They very seldom do. Uh, no, I always say no one shows up to the first date and like punches you right in your face. Like people just don't do that, right? It's, Hopefully not. No, it's a gradual like influence and manipulation over time that ends up being something that can be very, very violent or risky or dangerous for a lot of people. And so for me, it was that scenario. It wasn't until six months after I was dating um, this person that I was dating at 18 years old, that he first, um, he didn't strike me, but he attempted to suffocate me with a pillow. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that experience at 18 and 19 years old with him was very tumultuous. It kept progressively getting worse. Uh, there was a time where he literally kidnapped me from, and I say kidnap, I wasn't a kid, but he, he took me from a store. I was in the bathroom hiding from him with the door locked asked the cashier, please don't let him get in this room to me. And he got in, threw me over his shoulder, took me out of that store, put me into his car. And I had no control. I could not get away. And it was a very violent situation. So I was able to get out of that relationship. There was a person who entered my life that helped me escape safely. And then I went on with life and just a couple years later, I started dating my ex-husband, not you, my current husband. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> not current husband, ex-husband. Yeah. Clarify so, that. Yeah. So I started dating my ex-husband, um, you know, father of uh, Malachi and Malik, our two sons. And so that relationship also was not uh, well, I shouldn't say also, it wasn't tumultuous. It was a situation where going in, I said, listen, 
these are the guidelines. You will not tell me to shut up. You will not call me out of my name. You will not ever put your hands on me or I will leave you. And I didn't deal with any of that in that relationship. But upon requesting a divorce from him for various reasons, he very much lived a double life. Uh, it was within six weeks of me asking for a divorce and moving out that he attempted to murder me. And it was a very vicious, um, unimaginable attack that you probably only see on movies. And so ultimately he struck me several times in the head with a hammer, um, attempted to sexually assault me with a butcher knife to my throat and ultimately set me on fire. That is, I know you are an avid speaker and you are an advocate on domestic violence and you share your story often, but it just, that is such a powerful thing to openly share what happened to you and, and be vulnerable with, with so many people. I truly believe as, as tragic as this is, that your vulnerability has given so many people and will give so many people the opportunity to to share their truth and their story and um, liberate so many so many relationships. So I want to thank you for the your courage and, and and your vulnerability to share a story like this because it's you know it's intense and it's powerful to hear you now talk about it, looking back at it. So how has that reshaped, you know, your way of leading in this, in this fight against domestic violence and, and being an advocate for it? How has that impacted you? And and what are you doing now, you know, face with, you know, facing what you have faced and, and experiencing your upbringing and that style of leadership? What are you doing now about it? Well, I mean, I, I just want to help your listeners understand though, too, that, you know, obviously we're here a married couple today and, uh, you know, David, you, I, I think that you grew up in a, a very similar home that I did. And mm-hmm. if you could just help them understand that a little bit, I think that will lead into kind of where we are today and, and how we address it in our own relationship and then how we, we try to create change in our own community as well. This is this is supposed to be an interview about you. This you're not supposed to be interviewing me. What what's going on here? Asking me questions. No, I'm the one who asked the questions here. <laughs> this is my show. Yeah. This is well, my- I, mean, I think it's just it's great to have a conversation. Maybe I'm having an Oprah moment. I don't know, but uh, yeah, let's just have a conversation about that. Like what where, what is your background and and what kind of leadership style did you come from? Okay, I guess I'll answer it now for my listeners, just for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, growing up, I grew up in an, an abusive home uh, where domestic violence um, was like an everyday thing. It was like a tradition in our family, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was called domestic violence. I just thought it was a way of life. My father would hit my mother, and my mother would emotionally abuse my father, and um, it got to a point where my mother was so afraid for my brother and my sister and myself that you know her and my sister ran for shelter and she sent my brother and I to live in Haiti at the age of 7 so imagine two little babies being sent into a different country um to live with people they've never met 
Um, I remember my mother crying as we said our goodbyes. And and I felt at that moment abandoned by the two people that brought me into this world. So the impacts of this leadership, this fear-based leadership that my father invoked, and then um, even coming back into the States, uh, my mother was present, but there was a lot of neglect. And, and most importantly, there was a lot of emotional abuse that um, I went under that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't smart enough. And that that affected my self-esteem for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And for me, I tried I tried being the most popular kid. I, I played football for the attention for all the ladies and and just I was looking for that acceptance that I was good enough, that I was worthy, and that I was loved. Um, and it led me to a lot of a lot of rabbit holes that made me feel like I was getting fed, but it left me empty, even more empty than when I first started this pursuit. So that was my upbringing. And again, it was like a tradition and no one said anything like it was wrong. And it was not until, interesting enough, it was not until I met you, Audrey, babe, that I knew what domestic violence was. I, for the longest, thought it was just a way of life. A man hits a girl, uh, a girl um uh, emotionally abuse a man and and that's that's the way that's the way the cookie crumbles but not until my eyes were open to seeing that this is not what god intended for us to do mm-hmm. and to and to be in relationship so that's just for me yeah i um you you touched on something that i think a lot of people don't really talk about is oftentimes um you know, men and both men and women are affected by domestic violence. And there's times where women are the ones that are literally physically assaulting. I just saw a post yesterday on Facebook about a guy who split up with his girlfriend and she was like physically hitting him in front of the kids on her way out the door and everything. And so, but you touched on something else that, you know, that you thought that a guy would hit a woman and a woman would emotionally abuse uh, a man. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's a lot more common than I think we even attempt to talk about how often women use emotional abuse to manipulate and get what they want and to ultimately have power and control because that's kind of the overarching umbrella of domestic violence is an attempt to gain and maintain power and control over the significant other. So, you know, coming into a relationship with myself, you mentioned that I was kind of the one that brought light to the fact that this was a thing, right? Domestic Mm -hmm. violence is a thing. It's an issue and it has a name. It's not just this, this thing that happens or a way of life. You know, us, I think coming into our relationship together, we have been, I think, really super intentional about our relationship. Doesn't mean it's perfect by any means. Mm -mm. (laughs) Doesn't mean we don't have what David calls extreme fellowship. Intense fellowship. Intense, intense fellowship. Intense, intense, intense fellowship. fellowship. We definitely have intense fellowship. That's arguing for those who didn't pick that up. Well, I think I think it's disagreeing more than it's arguing because we don't yell, curse, scream, that kind of stuff. It's disagreeing. Disagreeing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and just a little side note, David and I are coming up on our one year anniversary in November. So we're still pretty new at this, like super new at this, but you know, we've been really intentional, I think, in our own families and not carrying on that, as you call it, tradition. Uh, some people call it, you know, like a curse, a generational curse. And so I've seen you lead in the complete opposite way that you describe that your father led 
And I think in a lot of ways, the way that you lead our family has helped to shape me as a leader. And I know I I mentioned to you before that I I really think that my style of leadership was leaning towards fear-based leadership until you entered our lives. And I thought it was, you know, in correlation with, with being a mom, that I was a very strict mother. I'm an old school mom. Now I'm not hitting the kids or anything like that, but definitely a mom who would raise her voice at times and definitely a mom who wanted all the ducks to be in a row. And, you know, these kids got to be on point, not for the rest of the world, but because I just want them to turn out great, Mm -hmm. you know? And so... I see you so many times with the boys be really patient with them in moments where I might become impatient. (laughs) You're super patient with them and you consistently exemplify a loving leader in our home. So just talk to me about that. Like the way that the way that you grew up and your love for leadership, how has it impacted the way that you lead our family? Thank you so much for the the compliment. And I know my listeners can't see it right now, but I just got teary eyed because it's it's one thing to hear it in in in, in the home and in, in private setting, but it's different to hear it um, through the audios, you know, through a podcast. So thank you so much for honoring me in that in that regard. You're welcome. And as far as growing up, I. I would always see like the brokenness of it. And I truly believe that God has placed this, this burden on my heart that that this is is not supposed to be like this. Mm-mm. And when I started to learn about how Jesus led, I'm going to do a plug right now. Our next leadership series coming up is going to be Lead Like Jesus. And it is revolutionary. And he is the greatest leader of all time. He has Amen. 2.1 billion followers Mm -hmm. right now, more than anybody on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Mm -hmm. So when I started to learn how he led and how he led through love, he didn't preach religion. He didn't preach rules. He preached love. He Mm -hmm. talked about relationships. And the more and more I learned about him and how he led through that love, and, and the more I learned about love and how foundational it is to human development, it gives us life. And I truly believe, and and I said this in my TEDx, I truly believe that the source of all great leadership is love. And it can be the thing that gives us life or the absence of love is what, you know, creates death and all of these feelings of neglect, rejection, abuse. So and strife. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that with all of my heart. So seeing how my mother and my father led and the results of the anger that I had in my heart, the the rejection and the the separation of family, I knew what they did didn't bring us together. So I had to learn what was the opposite of that. What was the opposite of fear? The opposite of fear is a love. And I see that how Jesus led and how so many other leaders in my life and mentors had led me through love. What happened was it drew me closer to them versus repelling me from them. So that's how I I strive. I'm not perfect by any means. Mm-mm. I am. We know. <laughs> I am moody. Um, sometimes I am selfish, and and I can be prideful at times. But my goal is always to strive to lead through love. So, with that being said, Audrey, 
you know, ending domestic violence through the loving leadership. Can you talk to me a little bit more about how our culture is currently addressing DV? So, yeah, in this last decade of my life, I've really dedicated um, a huge part of it to working in the world of, of healthy relationships. And the way that we're currently uh, addressing domestic violence is through many different avenues. So there's there's obviously the government um, vehicle and avenue there, the criminal system, and and it's got a lot of work that needs to be done there. Uh, one of the things that they do through the criminal system is mandated batterers intervention. And so batterers intervention is a program that is really centered on anger management. And sometimes you don't have to go to jail if you've been convicted of domestic violence. You have to go and uh, participate in batterers intervention. And it's just a program that I think doesn't really work in my personal opinion. I've seen it inside and out, and I just don't really believe in that program. But in our schools as well, I have personally participated in some assemblies and and I've gone in and educated on DV 101, but there's no real uh, nationwide or even statewide program that's being taught to our children in schools. And one thing that's baffling to me is that we're there teaching our children in school about sex education, but we're not teaching them about healthy relationships. Mm. And so we're missing an entire step. However, there are some counties that do have programs that go into the schools or like a six to eight week program where they educate the kids on relationships. And then they're uh, in the church. You know, you don't really hear a lot about domestic violence in the church, although I've heard our pastor talk about abuse being wrong from the pulpit. However, that doesn't happen very often. And just as a whole, we're really approaching this topic you know, the, the perspective really is that we need to put the people who have been abusive in jail and throw away the key. Mm. And the perspective is that they cannot be rehabilitated, which I will say a lot of them probably cannot be, but there are some who can be. And, and even more so, uh, I think that we're just approaching it from a very small lens. Mm. We're not looking at it as uh, an issue of the way that people live in all of their relationships and exist in all of their relationships. We think that it's just an issue between couples. But the reality is if you're having an unhealthy relationship with your spouse or significant other, that means you're probably experiencing unhealthy relationships at work. You're probably experiencing unhealthy relationships in your parenting and so on and so forth. And so I just think that there's such an ability for us to kind of take a step back and look at it from a different perspective and maybe address it from a different perspective. You know, do we really need people to go through batterers intervention? I don't know that that really has been working. I don't think that it has. Um, do we need to educate more of our kids? I think that we do, but I think we can do it in a creative and new kind of way. So David, obviously you're super passionate about leadership. You have a podcast on leadership. You did a TEDx on leadership. More than half of the books in our in our home are somehow about leadership. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, you're obsessed with this topic. I want you to just take a second to imagine that there was currently no plan. There's no programs. There's nothing put in place in our city addressing domestic violence. If you had every resource that you needed or the city came to you and said, hey, David, we want you to address this issue and you have every resource available to you, what would you do 
to address domestic violence in our community? First and foremost, I think the lack of information leads to destruction. Um, in the Bible, it talks about for my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And like I tell our sons, uh, structure leads to success and the lack of structure leads to destruction. So for me, my heart is that we would create a school um, that would teach healthy coping mechanism, because I truly believe that we all deal with stress or some frustration or some unhealed wound or unhealed uh, void in our lives, but we don't know how to do how to deal with it. And like our son said the other day, uh, if we don't express ourselves or don't suppress ourselves, express, express ourselves. ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and Rick Warren talks about this a lot. He says, if we don't talk it out, we act it out. Mm-hmm. And he also said that once we start revealing our feelings, then we start receiving our healing. And I truly think that in our culture that we suppress it, even in conversation, you you can walk up and down the street and you say, hey, how are you doing? People say good in, in you and it, good in yourself. And then when we go to church, we're like, hey, how are you doing? Blessed and highly favored, too blessed to be stressed. But we're dealing with real things that aren't being dealt with. And if it's not being dealt with enough of it long-term, we're bound to explode. So this school that I would you know, create if there was nothing in the city would be for leaders, by leaders, uh, with leaders, and it would be to create healthy coping mechanism. It would be able to, to lead from the heart. It would be teach love, not just the word love, because we, we say love a lot. Hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. But love is action. Love is um, submitting oneself. Love is humbling oneself. It takes all of these things. So instead of teaching how to look out for an unhealthy relationship, because Let's teach how to have a healthy relationship, how to have a healthy relationship, and how. And I just want to say, I just, I'm just going to throw this out there. I really think that this conversation deserves another episode because I don't even feel like we've scratched the surface here. Oh, it's just the beginning. Really. Uh, but I, I just want to say that you know. I think that the the greatest amount of health that you bring to our family is the fact that you know how to lead through love. So yes, we need to learn how to have healthy relationships, but understanding that how are we leading in our relationships, that actually can be the lens that we can look through when we start to approach this entire issue is if we taught people how to be great leaders, right? In their in their workplace, in their home, in their families, with their friends, could that change the way that people operated in relationships overall across the board? Definitely. That could change our world. And it takes it takes people like us having these conversations, but most importantly, creating these uh, uh, opportunities for those to have that conversation and be empowered, to be inspired, because everything starts with an idea. And I'm so grateful that we've had this conversation. And thank you so much, Audrey, for for being on this show. And I know this is the beginning of the next time. So thank you so much. Again, thank you so much, Audrey, for coming in and sharing a little bit of your story and how uh, fear-based leadership has affected you and has created this cycle of, of violence and just fear. But most importantly, Audrey, how could, you know, our listeners out there essentially get in contact with you if they want to connect because they've have faced, you know, something similar to you of, uh, or have a domestic violence story? 
Thanks for asking that. Uh, on social media, it's at Your Thrive Tribe on Facebook or Instagram. And then our website is yourthrivetribe.com or my personal Facebook page is Audrey May Prosper. Awesome. Thank you for letting us know how we can get in contact with you. And if you personally have a story and want to share your story of you know, experiencing a fear-based leadership and and then experiencing a loving leadership, we would love to have you on our show. You can actually subscribe to our show on podcast, Google Play, or Spotify. We're here uh, the second and the fourth Wednesday of every month. We have a new episode. And again, leaders, I want you to remember this. If we as leaders are to set ourselves apart, we must start by leading through love, which always comes from the heart. Thank you for joining us here at the Leadership Show. If you'd like access to additional resources and insight, text LEADERSHIFT to 345-345 or visit theleadershiftshow.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please let us know and spread the word by giving us a review on iTunes. You can listen to our show on iTunes, Success Radio, Spotify, Google Play, and the IB Network on Spreaker.com. If you have a question for David, send it our way at prosper at shepherdrevolution.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time here on the Leadership Show. Show.